New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Dr. James Fadiman and Jordan Gruber at their homes by Remote Connection. They're co-authors of Your Symphony of Selves, Discover and Understand More of Who We Are. Jim, Jordan, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. So good to see you. Nice to be here. Great. It's great to have you. I'd like for both of you to comment on the two schools of thought in the field of human consciousness. First, the single self-assumption, and second, the multiplicity of selves, that we are not just a single self, but made up of many selves. So please give me your comments on those two schools of thought. Jordan, you want to do the first? Sure. Well, the single self-assumption, really, you haven't seen stated before our book, and it just says that you are or ought to be a single unitary self. And what we're saying is that if you look at reality and everyone you know and yourselves, that's just not the way we're actually built. We all have multiple selves, including the healthiest and most successful people alive. And once you begin to see that the single self kind of wishes you were consistent, and when you begin to realize you're not, that you argue with yourself, that you talk to yourself or some other part of you, and that people are inconsistent, you begin to realize maybe there's a simple and more accurate way of describing who you actually are. And what comes up is you have different selves with different abilities and different capacities and different points of view, and it allows you to focus in on the best self at any given time so that you can be more effective and more relaxed when that's appropriate and more convivial when that's appropriate and more um, determined like a piece of steel when that's appropriate. And so we, what we find is that's what people understand themselves to be anyway. We've simply made it a little more visible and a little more clear that they are and we are and I am healthy multiples inside one skin bag. Okay, okay, all right. This brings up the question, if we're right in the middle of one of these selves expressing themselves, and let's say it's a negative sort of expression, Yep. it's not so easy to say, okay, get out of the way, I'm going to call up another self. I mean, how do we do this when we're right in the middle of the storm? Well, I'm going to give the example, and then I'll give Jordan the hard part. Right. It's a lot easier to not beat your wife than to stop in the middle. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So what we're saying is that the imperative is to realize that first, you really do have different selves, some of which are going to do things you don't want. And second, you need to avoid being in the wrong self at the wrong time. And if you find yourself in the wrong self at the wrong time, If you possibly can, remove yourself from the situation or find a way to cool down. Realize you're unlikely to change how that self perceives and works in real time. It's almost a little too late. 
And I'll give you a switching mechanism that everybody knows, which is count to 10. <laughs> yeah. Counting to 10 allows you to shift out of one state, oneself, into another by putting in this little kind of neutral, you know, like a little dash between the two, which is there's no emotional rush about one to 10. So you can move out of anger or out of fear into a part that's better able to cope with the situation. Some people like to ask themselves, is this something I need to say or do? Do I need to, do I need to be the one to say it? Do I need to say it now? Does this have to happen? And if you realize that you have a choice, then you might do the right thing. You mention it several times throughout the book that it's important not to try and annihilate a self or even to integrate that self into another part of yourself, but to allow it to stand on its own. So what's the purpose of that? Why not just annihilate that part that wants to beat your partner? Well, very simply, ask that part, does it feel that it would like to be annihilated? It never says that. It says, no, I'd like to work things out. I don't like being angry either. But that seems to me, as an angry self, is since childhood, whenever you've needed an angry side of you to do something, you know, I'm there for you. So it suddenly makes your angry self has value. And you don't want to annihilate one of your fingers. That would be ridiculous. So that the idea of annihilating a self never asks the self, do they think that's a good idea? And besides, in the 70s, they realized finally that attempts at forced unification of selves in pathological cases almost never worked. It broke apart and the person ended up worse than when they started. Okay, so there is a reason that this self even became a part of you in the first place. So maybe it would be better to discover the attributes of this self and use the positive aspects of this self. One of the positive aspects, let's just take one that, that we're all supposed to not like because we're all good little Buddhists, which is anger. One of the things we know is when you're angry, your adrenaline increases and you have increased physical strength. So that if you need to do something violent, like tear a door off its hinges because your child is inside and there's a fire, suddenly that self which has been associated with anger is, I'm going to tear that GD door right off and, and you do that. And then after another part of you says, I have no idea how I did that. That's a hint. When you say, I have no idea that I did that, either it's something very good or something awful, you have just described that you are not as in touch with one of yourselves as you need to be. We use the example that it's a different to know that you have a bad dog as opposed to you are a bad dog. So yeah, you might have a bad dog, but if you start to befriend that part of who you are and you realize why it's angry or you know pisses on the furniture or whatever it does... That kind of compassion will enable you to work with it. In the book, we give an example of someone who is addicted to something, and Jim writes them back in a letter, and the first thing he says is, you have to stop castigating that part of you. You have to stop attacking it. You know, that's not going to get you what you want. Compassion will get you what you want. So I'm thinking in the bad dog scenario, 
sometimes a bad dog is a very good watchdog. Exactly. And they're going to protect us from some outside influence. So you don't want to suppress that part, but you don't want it pissing on the furniture, of course, or or biting your friends. So right. you have to deal with it in appropriate ways. You know, in Silicon Valley, what's called parts work as part of coaching has become a very popular. And one thing that most people do is they say, find the parts of you that aren't happy and find them a new job. Find them something they can do and compromise with it. You know, maybe it gets to watch bad things on TV once a week, not never. And I'm thinking of the work of Virginia Satir, who calls parts parties. And (laughs) that takes me to NLP as a strategy or voice dialogue as a strategy. So can you talk about those two strategies? Well, basically, there's a lot of those because we have selves. It's not surprising that there's a half dozen systems that come at it in different ways. And all of them are beneficial to the extent that they have a skilled practitioner who can help you open up to the reality of yourselves. You know, kind of once you know the members of the family, it's a lot easier to talk with them. I'm reminded of an interview that I did with Soltram Alioni about talking to your demon, your inner demon. And it was just wonderful how she would have us do kind of voice dialogue where we'd sit in one chair and we'd talk to that demonic part of ourselves. And then we'd sit in the other chair and then we'd be the other part. And we'd go back and forth and actually physically move our body to one chair and the other. And I know Sidra and Hal Stone have done voice dialogue work to a great extent. In fact, Michael and I actually used that and gone in sessions with them and found it very effective to talk to those parts of ourselves that we may initially want to reject. But, you know, there's another way of working with it. Absolutely. And those are among the ways Voice dialogue doesn't say one part of you is right and one is wrong. Voice dialogue says there's several of you in there. You're not working it out very well. Let's bring it to the awareness of both parties and let them talk about it and perhaps talk about it with a skilled moderator. I'm kind of amused because I'm wondering if one is working with, quote, one's demonic part. Does the demonic part say that's who it is? Or does it say, you don't really understand that I actually have a point of view that's different than yours, and being called demonic doesn't make it work for me. That's not the best way that we can work things out, is to be called a a nasty name. You know, I've never met anyone who said, you know, when my parents called me stupid, it always made me feel better because I was being understood. They don't say that at all. So are you saying to be careful how we name these parts of ourselves? That can also have its negative effect. It kind of couches it in a certain way that would be reactive. It locks them into a certain way of being. In the book, we give an example of where I had a part that was losing things. I wanted to call it Larry the Loser. And Jim said, don't give it a negative name like that. You're going to hurt its feeling that it's not really its fault anyway. It was very useful. So how did you rename it? I actually don't name myself. Some people do. It's because they're shifting and they're constellations, but I'm just more aware that that part is already doing its best to help me not lose things and that keeping guilt on it doesn't help anything. 
And I know in your book, in one of the chapters, you really list a lot psychosynthesis and we voice dialogue in NLP and all of these. Gestalt. Gestalt. And, you know, you really go through a long list of these that could be helpful. But what I find interesting is the book and the way you've laid it out. It's not going for just one central track but it's really covering a whole new landscape that we might be entering. That's beautifully said. When we make a list of 20 different groups that are working with selves, we're saying, obviously, there's a lot of different ways to do this. You know, I'm always amazed when there's a a cookbook which is on a single food, you know, like the muffin cookbook or the pasta cookbook. And I find that what I want is the joy of cooking because there's too many other possibilities to restrict oneself arbitrarily. And we're not designed to be restricted, just not the way we're built. So any concluding thoughts that you might have, any advice for our listeners? (laughs) Oh, gosh, I know. that's Read the book. No, no. Actually, Jordan and I had the same thought, which is one good way is to read the book since, you know, I spent 20 years thinking about this stuff, and Jordan and I have spent five years compiling it. That's actually a pretty good way to do it. And if that doesn't interest you, then simply look at the parts of yourself, appreciate them, and get them to talk with each other so that you all can live together more harmoniously. Well said. Well said. Thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. I've been speaking with Dr. James Fadiman and Jordan Gruber at their homes by Remote Connection, and they are the co-authors of Your Symphony of Selves, Discover and Understand More of Who We Are. And if you want to know more information about their work, you can go to each of their websites, respectively, jordangruber.com or jamesfadiman.com, or you can get to both of them through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Thompson. I want to thank you for joining us for the New Dimensions Cafe today, and I ask you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.